Welcome, everyone. My name is Caleb, and you are listening to the Vitamin C Podcast. Hey, guys. Welcome to episode two. It's actually a pretty big deal that you made it this far because for a lot of shows that I watch at least or listen to, I very rarely make it past one episode. So if you did, congratulations. You are one of the few, the proud, whatever. So as I laid out in my last episode for this month, my Mondays are going to be my trendy days talking about all the latest movies. My Wednesdays are double weenie Wednesday, which I will talk about movies that are less scary. So essentially horror based movies that are more palatable for the general viewer, for people that are not too deep into horror movies, but maybe like stuff that's a little bit spooky or a little bit suspenseful, a little bit tense. That's what I'm looking for. That's who I'm aiming this at because not all horror movies are scary per se. It's kind of hard to know which ones are and are not because there will be someone that walks into The Conjuring and walks out and tells everyone, yeah, it wasn't scary at all. And then some people will see it and they'll have like demons in their house for the rest of their life. So I'm kind of just trying to give you stuff that is not going to keep you up too late at night after watching it, but it'll be spooky enough and fun enough where you can enjoy it while you watch it. And the way I'm going to do that, I'm going to start with the most lightweight stuff in this first week. So you're going to hear movies where you're going to say, are you kidding me, Caleb? And you might watch them. You maybe have already even seen them, but I'm going to recommend them anyway. And yeah, you might be saying, wow, Caleb's a real lightweight if this is what he watches. And this is not entirely true. This is stuff that I would watch if it's if I'm with people that don't really watch scary movies or if I'm with like family members or, you know, younger relatives or something. This is kind of what I would watch. It's somewhat for babies, maybe, probably. So doesn't really matter. They're still pretty good. But by the end of it, by the final week of October, I'll have a couple that maybe will be on the scarier side for some people where maybe they won't be able to handle it because there are some things that I don't find very scary. Slasher movies, for for example, I'm not going to recommend any of those because I'm already going to be talking about those on Fridays. But I'll just say with slasher movies, they don't scare me. And there's probably a few reasons. One is because it's mostly girls that get killed in those movies or guys that are like having sex with girls, which... I don't fall into those demographics. So I'm really like, even if there was a Michael Myers out there, what would he want to do with me? Absolutely nothing. I'm like involved in nothing. So yeah, he wouldn't, me- he wouldn't be messing with me. And also Jason, for example, I'm not going to some summer camp and hanging out there for a whole week. Those days are behind me. I just those movies don't scare me because I would just never be in a situation where something like that would would be after me. It just wouldn't happen. So I'm not going to recommend those, but I'll just tell you that I'm just making the point that different types of scary movies are not scary to some people. And so for me, example, slasher movies don't really scare me. Stephen King movies, for the most part, do not scare me. So I'm going to be very conscious of that when I make these picks so that I'm putting stuff out there that's not just based on my own taste, not scary, but just for most people, it doesn't check the main boxes because I know what people watch out for. They watch out for like blood and gore. They can't handle a ton of that. That's fine. Okay. They also worry about jump scares. I get that. 
and then they worry about just dark content like if there's just stuff that feels like evil or satanic or something like that and that's another thing that i will be conscious of when i am selecting these movies so those are some of the main things but i'll always tell you guys what kind of stuff to watch out for in these movies and again it'll start off not as scary and it'll get progressively scarier as the weeks go on so the first movie i wanted to talk about was scooby-doo on zombie island now the funny thing about scooby-doo on zombie island is that i once got into an argument with a kid who was like seven where we were talking about scooby-doo I was also pretty young. That's why I was in an argument with a seven-year-old. I was only like 20 at the time. But he was saying that he liked Scooby-Doo. And I said, well, I'm a diehard Scooby-Doo fan. And we were talking about our favorite Scooby-Doo episodes and shows and stuff. I had said that I liked the live action movies, but that my favorite was the animated movie Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. And this kid said, actually, it's Scooby-Doo on Moonscar Island. And I said, no, no, you're mistaken. Because this is my my childhood, it is not yours. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is the title of the movie. The movie takes place on Moonscar Island. And I had a friend there who was like, dude, this kid probably knows more than you. Like, come on, dude, he probably knows more than you. And I was like, no, I'm not letting this go. And so we kind of went back and forth. I was like, dude, grab the movie right now. And he's like, I don't have to. It's Scooby-Doo on Moonscar Island. But anyway, later... We look it up, and sure enough, I was right. It was Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, stupid idiot. And I was showing my buddy. I was like, dude, see? Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island, not Moonscar Island. He's like, wow, I don't know why you're taking it so seriously. It's just like a seven-year-old. And it's like, hey, it's a seven-year-old who thinks that I don't know Scooby-Doo. Like, dude, I know Scooby-Doo, okay? You guys can challenge me on my Scooby-Doo knowledge. I even sat through like the old episodes with Scooby-Dumb and Scrappy-Doo. Like, I'm a diehard, guys. I watched the episode that came out like a year ago with Chris Paul. Like, that's crazy, dude. So, yeah, I'm a fan of the game. I'm a fan of Scooby-Doo. So, this kid thought I did not know my stuff. But that's the movie I'm going to open with, Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island. And again, you guys are probably saying, you're talking about Scooby-Doo in the month of Halloween? You're talking about horror movies? You're talking about Scooby-Doo? Like I said, I'm starting off as light as possible. But here's something that is great about Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island. And it's not a major spoiler because it becomes evident very, very quickly in the movie. Most Scooby-Doo movies, it is a man in the mask. Or at least in the shows, the movies is usually where it's actual monsters. But even on occasion, there's still just these grand scale like monsters where it's, oh, there's a guy who built this giant mecha robot that looks like a dragon or something like that. I don't know, that kind of stuff. But in this case... They're legit zombies, legit zombies in this movie. And the first scene that you come across that Shaggy and Scooby come across the zombies is such a good scene because they are in the back of the mystery machine and they're eating ghost peppers and they are so hot that Shaggy ends up sprinting out to the lake to dip his head in so that he can get, you know, water in his mouth, which Yes, it's disgusting, but in the animated movie, it you know, it, the water doesn't look that gross. But anyway, sticks his mouth in there, and then like one of the heads of the zombies pops up like right at him in the water. And I don't know, it's just pretty awesome. And the movie itself, it's Scooby-Doo, so it's funny. I mean, in my opinion, it is one of the funnier Scooby-Doo movies because they've made quite a few throughout the years. 
especially in recent years, they've made quite a few. But I think as far as the funniest Scooby-Doo movies and the most enjoyable, I think pound for pound, Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island is probably the best Scooby-Doo movie. Although I also like the live action ones. I think Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is the best mix of monsters, comedy, and mystery out of all of them. I just think it's a really interesting movie. I mean, I, I liked it as a kid and even as an adult. It's still got some cool stuff because it's real zombies. And that's what's cooler than that. Real zombies in a Scooby-Doo movie. Like, forget real ghosts. We get real ghosts all the time. Real zombies? I guess most of the time there's zombies in movies. They're real, but not in a Scooby-Doo flick. So that's why I like this one. So if you're looking for something to watch, maybe you got a young kid or something like that, or you just like Scooby-Doo, like me, that's a good one to watch during the month of Halloween. The next up on my list is The Ghost and Mr. Chicken. So the basic idea of this movie is Don Knotts, who was a big comedy presence of his time, plays a character who is trying to get a big break at a newspaper and decides he's going to write about this haunted house in his town. His editor suggests that the best way to do the story is if he goes to spend a night in the house and then writes about it. And so he goes to stay in this spooky house in his town and then the events of the movie unfold. This is not an overly scary movie. It is definitely on the comedy side. It's very much you're there to watch Don Knotts be Don Knotts. He, in terms of physical comedy, he was one of the best of his time. He was just a very goofy, silly guy, and he was great at that. And the movie itself, it's good overall. It was one of my favorites as a kid. We used to watch it all the time. And interestingly, I had this elementary school teacher that I don't know how it came up in conversation between my parents and this teacher because they were my fourth grade teacher and they taught a couple of my other siblings. But for some reason or another, they were saying, you got to watch this movie. And maybe it's because they were talking about similar movies. Maybe they had talked about Don Knotts. I have no idea. But it got to the point where we actually let her borrow the movie. Like I brought the VHS to school and handed it to her and said, hey, here, my parents gave this to you so you can watch it. And it was, oh, thank you, because it's this prearranged thing. And it just sat on her desk for the longest time. And then one day, because this is like a G-rated movie, it was approved that all of us were going to be able to watch Ghost of Mr. Chicken. It was like the entire fourth grade was going to get to watch the Ghost of Mr. Chicken. And it just so happened that that day, my teacher was a no-show. Of all days, she never, ever missed time. And the day that we watched it, our entire fourth grade, she wasn't there. She called in sick. And I thought, she's dodging this movie. I don't know why. I really don't. It troubles me to this day. But the fact is, we let her borrow it. And she never watched it. Sat on her desk, collecting dust. Until everyone, quite literally Everyone in the fourth grade and every teacher in the fourth grade watched the movie except her. How crazy is that? I'm also now thinking how crazy it is that I literally brought a movie to school for my parents, you know, on behalf of my parents, for my teacher to watch. And then she's like, we're all going to watch this movie. How about that? And then the entire fourth grade decided they were going to watch this movie. And so everyone that I was in fourth grade with 
watch this movie and uh, that will actually be a few people that listen to this podcast actually watch this movie because I was about I was thinking just now that I was recommending a movie that very few people have seen and now I'm thinking about saying oh crap somehow I forced the masses to watch this movie it was one of my favorites as a kid but somehow I forced them to do it the same way I do this all the time like there's a few movies that whenever I become friends with someone and I know they like movies I'll be like oh we got to watch this and this and I kind of am breaking them into my style of movies before I hit them with some of my bangers. That's just how I work. I'll be like, yeah, let's watch this and this. And it'll ease me into like Shutter Island or it'll ease me into Prisoners or it'll ease me into Batman v Superman Ultimate Edition. Those are the ones that I'm always working towards where I'll watch different styles of movies with them. And I'll say, well, if they can watch this and they can watch this and they'll probably appreciate this. And I'm pretty good at it to the point where, okay, I had a big whiff on prisoners. Actually, I remember showing it to a couple buddies of mine and they could not stand it. But then I showed it to another friend and he freaking loved it. But I did whiff on that one because I led with prisoners. But now I've learned, okay, I got to ease them into it and we'll watch these movies and then we'll watch these. And if it feels right, we'll go forward with these movies. Batman v Superman. Crazy enough, not everyone hated it when it came out, but it was a very divisive movie. I have shown the director's cut of that movie to so many people in my life, it is not even funny. Like, I've indoctrinated so many people into it, and they have all liked it. Not just liked it, it's to the point where I will show it to them, and then months later, I'll get a text from them where they say, oh, I just showed my family the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman, they really liked her. Oh, I just had my buddies over and we just watched the ultimate edition of Batman v Superman. And it's funny to me because like I put them on that. Like I'm spreading my agenda here and it's actually working. Now I will clarify. I said that everyone liked the movie. I've watched it with, I don't have an exact count actually, but I think somewhere in the ballpark of like 16 different friends over a period of time. Because there, there was one time where I watched it with like six different friends. So that knocked out a ton at once. And there's only one where they never said whether they liked it or not. And so I kind of assumed that maybe they didn't like it that much because they just said, oh, yeah, it was pretty good. And they never really said anything more about it. So I kind of assumed that they really were not crazy over it. And that's fine. I feel like it's kind of its own thing. So you either like it or you don't. But I have managed to find a lot of people that not just like it, but really like it to the point that they were invested enough to show other people and then they were watching the sequels. So I'm totally off track here. But what I'm trying to say is I'm very good at indoctrinating people to new movies, but I did fail. I did fail with my fourth grade teacher. And I think the burden of that has carried with me for all these years. And that's why I push these other movies so heavily is because I remember the teacher that I was never able to show the ghost of Mr. Chicken to. She's probably still alive. I haven't followed her past fourth grade and have no idea what she's up to. But I'd like to imagine she's still alive and has not seen Ghost of Mr. Chicken. I wish that she had, but I really doubt it at this point in time. But what I'll say is I watched this in fourth grade with a bunch of classmates and they all loved the movie too. It was a ton of fun, super funny. And again, if you can watch it in a fourth grade classroom, it's not anything that you guys need to worry about censoring or anything like that. It's a G-rated movie. It's funny. It's got a few things that it would be scary if it was you. 
but the whole point of this scene is watching Don Knotts react to the scary stuff. And that's the entertainment of the movie. You're watching this character who's just completely out of his element. He's a total coward, but at the same time, in an endearing way, he's actually a brave guy. He's just uh, kind of a coward in the moment, hence the title, Mr. Chicken. So next up, I'm only going to talk about this one very briefly, is Disney's Haunted Mansion. This one is with Eddie Murphy, Terrence Stamp, and a few other people that nobody really knows. I watched this one in theaters as a kid and had a really good time with it. And I rewatched it not too long ago, and it's still a good time. It's not like the greatest movie ever made, but if you're looking for something during the Halloween season, this movie's got ghosts, it's got zombies, it's got a spooky looking house, I guess. Those are the main things in the film. Yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. It's not overly scary. Although, funny story, when the movie first came out, one of my cousins who was younger than me, and I was very young when this came out, so she was younger than me, to cut her some slack, but she was so scared of this movie that she could not sleep the night after she saw it. So I guess just be careful because I don't know, maybe I was like seven when this came out. I guess if your kid's in like the five range, maybe not. I don't anticipate there are that many people watching or listening to this that have kids that young, but I'm just saying in general, always at your own discretion of what you show to the younger ones. But I think this one is a very family-friendly movie. There's really not much that's going to scare you outside of I think the zombies are the scariest part of the movie. But it's a fun watch. It's very fitting for the Halloween season. Next up on the list is Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. This is another movie that I was young when it came out, but I was a fan of Wallace and Gromit, and I was really excited to see the movie, and I went to see it with my family. It is one of the funniest movies that I had ever seen as a kid. And again, it's not overly scary. It's shot like it's a werewolf movie, but in this case, it's a were-rabbit. So inherently, the movie is kind of silly because a were-rabbit is not overly terrifying, and and the were-rabbit is not eating people, it's eating their vegetables. So it's a very silly premise, but it's meant to be. It's Wallace and Gromit. But if you are a Wallace and Gromit fan and you have not seen this movie, shame on you because I believe it is the best of Wallace and Gromit. A lot of times when these animated movies get made into big screen features, it isn't always worth it in the end. But this is one that I think was totally justified in its creation. It, it was so much fun on the big screen. And frankly, I rewatch this movie quite often as an adult. I've watched it with my siblings who are all adults. I've watched it with friends who are adults. And we've gotten a kick out of it. As a matter of fact, some of the same friends that I watched Batman v Superman and Prisoners with, and we watched the John Wick movies, American Assassin. In the mix of that, we watched Wallace and Gromit because there was a night that we were waiting for other people to show up before we could watch something. And we said, what's something that we could put on? And we put on Wallace and Gromit and had a great time watching it. Then everyone showed up, so we didn't finish the movie, but we watched a good like 40 minutes of it and had a really good time, okay? So this is a funny movie for all ages. There's plenty of humor that's in there for adults, and then, of course, there's tons of kid humor in the movie without ever getting too juvenile, in my opinion. So next up is a very interesting horror movie, in my opinion, because it's, again, not really a horror. It's on the side of comedy. Does Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein? So this is one I'd forgotten about until, I don't know, probably a few months back. And I was talking to one of my siblings because we were talking about scary movies we watched as kids and there really weren't many. And then somehow we got on the topic 
of Abner and Costello meet Frankenstein. And I thought, how crazy is this movie? Because it has the Wolfman in it. It has Dracula. It has Frankenstein. And the movie is centered around Abbott and Costello, who are just this comedy duo of their time. And they would just star in a bunch of these movies where it's Abbott and Costello just in these different places and scenarios, meeting different people. And it was like they were just bringing the comedy genre into all these different worlds. And it's just kind of crazy to think about. I don't even know what I'd compare it to. Maybe if like Key and Peele had Key and Peele meet the mummy and stuff like that, it would be just kind of crazy. Now, Abbott and Costello were a little more clean cut than Key and Peele, but part of that is because of the market that Key and Peele market towards around Comedy Central. You can't really just do G-rated comedy all the time. But that was what Abbott and Costello were. They were they were very much a G-rated comedy duo, and they were very funny together. And they're very funny together in this movie, and it makes for a great watch. It is funny watching these two characters that are not the brightest characters. They're not the toughest characters, and they're not the coolest characters. But you're watching them navigate this world where there are all these like monsters and stuff, and they're just in the mix of it. So it's a very entertaining movie without ever being inherently scary because there's maybe a couple scenes that are a little suspenseful. There's a scene in particular where a character is in a room with the wolfman and doesn't actually realize it at the time. And he is just accidentally evading him throughout the scene. And it is very funny, but it's also kind of scary because he's literally in a room by himself with the Wolfman and doesn't even know it. But this is a movie that I would highly recommend. I think a lot of people have probably not seen it. And a lot of people have probably not even heard of it. And I think it's a very fun watch because, again, they're a great comedy duo. And it's just fun seeing them dropped in the middle of this crazy story involving all the big time monsters at that time. So that is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Again, not scary, funny, it's a good watch. So last but certainly not least is the movie Monster House. Interesting thing about Monster House, I remember when it came out and it was a pretty big movie at the time. And I think most people have seen Monster House. But something I didn't know, and it's because Steven Spielberg's name was attached to all of the trailers for this movie. But what I didn't know is that he did not direct this movie. I didn't know that until pretty recently because I was about to rewatch the movie and I looked and saw Steven Spielberg was not the director. And I said, oh, surely he's a producer. Well, he's an executive producer, which means that he threw money at the movie, but he didn't necessarily have any direct involvement with the movie. I have no idea the extent of his involvement. All I know is usually executive producers, if they just have that label and nothing else, their role in the movie mostly has to do with they threw some money at it and maybe hired some people that worked on the project, but they didn't directly oversee it. They were not on set while the movie was being shot or anything like that. That is typically how it goes. And the actual director of this movie is somebody where I looked at his other movies and I'm not a huge fan of them. And I remember thinking, was this movie actually that good? And a matter of fact, it is good. It is a good movie. Now, there's a few credited writers on this, but the main one that people will recognize is Dan Harmon. If you're unfamiliar with Dan Harmon, he was a showrunner and writer for Community and then is a showrunner and writer for Rick and Morty. That's very much his baby. And he's worked on a bunch of other stuff throughout the years, but those are the main ones people know is the TV show Community and the current running show Rick and Morty. I'm not the biggest fan of Community. I've just never been able to get into it. I think it's funny, but I've just never really been able to get attached to it. 
Rick and Morty, on the other hand, is one that I find pretty funny. I don't watch it as regularly as some people do, but I think it's pretty funny. And one of the other writers on this is Rob Schrab, who actually worked with Dan Harmon on Rick and Morty and on Community. So he's very much in the same brand of humor. And they obviously worked very well together on this particular movie. Aside from it being funny, it also has a very good voice cast. The best of which, in my opinion, is Steve Buscemi's character. Steve Buscemi is just a guy that I've seen in a ton of different roles. And he's really made the most of his career because he's no disrespect to him. He's kind of a different looking guy and he's got a very unique voice, but he's used that unique voice to be a very good voice actor. He's been in tons of voice acting roles and has been great in all of them. And this one is no exception. He is very good in this movie. And he's also been in a wide variety of other roles in movies where he's playing a crazy guy, a weird guy, or sometimes he's just the decent friend in the movie. And there's a few other notable voice actors in this movie, some that were bigger at their current time. John Heater, for example, was very big at that point in time, was in just about every comedy movie you can think of or in the running to get roles in different comedy movies. And he is very funny in his brief role in this movie. The dad in the movie is voiced by Fred Willard, although he's in the movie very briefly. Fred Willard was a staple in comedic movies and TV for many, many years. So overall, the cast rounds out really well. It's got a good voice cast. Kevin James almost snubbed, but he voices the cop in the movie, and he is very funny in his brief role. And overall, it's just a cleverly written movie. One of the interesting things that I like about the movie is that it's not just a generic haunted house movie. Although there are not many animated haunted house movies, this one is unique in that it's not just that someone died and the house is haunted. The house is quite literally the ghost. Like it's a living, breathing thing. It is a monster house. And I thought that was actually a pretty clever element to the movie. And overall, it is a funny movie. It's a fun time. There's a few decent scares at the end of the day. It's an animated movie, so it's never anything too spooky or scary. But again, like all these, this is a fun movie. It has the basic horror tropes in the movie, the basic scares, but it's a PG family film. And that's what I was looking to give you guys for this episode is a bunch of films that you can watch on any given night with whoever you're with without worrying about being too scared or having to close your eyes during scenes or not being able to sleep that night or maybe being possessed by some demon that night. You won't have to worry about that with any of these movies. None of them are inherently evil. They're made for all audiences. And there's some fun stuff in the movie if you're a fan of horror. Without them necessarily being horror movies they're just movies that are fitting for the halloween season and that's it in other episodes i'm going to go more in detail because as of right now i just did a bunch of pg and g-rated movies so there's really nothing to watch out for in terms of content in future episodes i'll dive a little bit deeper because we're going to be stepping up from g and pg to pg pg 13 next week probably just pg 13 quite frankly I'm still debating between a couple, but with future episodes, I will tell you guys exactly what to watch out for in terms of how violent is it, how many jump scares there might be, and what other elements might be in the movie that could potentially trouble you when you watch it. Again, I'm not looking for anything too scary, and I think it'll gradually get scarier as the month goes on, but these are the ones that you really do not have to worry about anything. Go ahead and watch them, enjoy them. If nothing else, even if they don't 
fulfill your scary needs. They are fun movies and they're fitting for the Halloween season, which is all this week's episode was about anyway. So I appreciate you guys tuning in. Friday is going to be the first feature of Final Girl Friday, which we will talk more in depth about some of my favorite slasher movies and slasher characters. I'm a big fan of the slasher genre, as I've said before. I think most of the slashers that I've seen are not very good, but I have a fun time with a majority of them, and so I'm excited to talk about those. And I hope that these movies are able to give you guys something to watch during this month that you can have a fun time with. Thanks again for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys again soon.